You're about to watch a great interview on TYT interviews. If you wanna watch them live, members are the only ones who get to do that. TYTnetwork.com slash join, become a member, enjoy the interviews as they happen. Right, welcome to TYT interviews, I'm Jason Rubin, host of TYT Sports, and I'm joined today by No Olympics, or is it No Olympics? Does it flow? It's No Olympics, no Olympics. No one word. Yeah. One word, as you can see by their shirts. <laughs> I was left out of that equation without <laughs> just my black t-shirt. Regardless, Ann, Johnny, and Steve are here. They are organizers within No Olympics LA 2024. And we're gonna jump into a bunch of really interesting developments when it comes to the International Olympic Committee in terms of how corrupt that they really are. And this shouldn't be surprising if you've seen or followed the news regarding the IOC or in any major sports developments. The World Cup has these problems, UEFA has these problems, FIFA has these problems. But most notably, given the news today that they are meeting in Switzerland, the International Olympic Committee, and what Steve and I were discussing actually off camera, they're going to be announcing at some point today that there's going to be a dual announcement in September for whether or not that LA gets the 2024 Olympics or Paris. And then if there is really a consolation prize, they're a very nice way of kind of gift wrapping it towards <laughs> another country in 2028, which has never happened before. And there's obviously some reasons as to why. So uh, first things first, guys, what is No Olympics LA 2024? And, and what is, and how have you started, where did you start No Olympics 2024? Could, anyone can jump in. Yeah, um, this, this was born out of the Housing and Homelessness Committee of the Democratic Socialists of America Los Angeles chapter, of which we are all members. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Johnny was actually the one who kind of presented this to uh, our group a few months ago at one of our committee meetings. Uh, it was something that was kind of flying under the radar. This is something that has happened in a lot of other cities where cities have rejected the bid, uh, most notably recently in Boston. Right. Um, and he floated the idea to the committee and we kind of latched onto it. And the campaign's been going full steam for about the last month now. Yeah. Great. Right, and so if you've seen, so you can follow them, by the way, quick plug for them on No Olympics on Twitter and on Facebook. It's great watching the Twitter feed, just because <laughs> if you're looking for, look, we all know in general, politicians do tend to lie. I don't think that's a bold statement. But in general, what's funny is that a lot of this is falling on Mayor Eric Garcetti's lap, and he is beating around the bush in terms of what really would happen to Los Angeles. So Steve, you mentioned Boston, right? And for mm -hmm. which was the original, if those who forgot uh, in terms of getting an Olympics bid was gonna be the place in the US that was gonna host the Olympics for 2024. And then after severe backlash from residents and citizens in Boston, actually they took a poll and only 43% supported uh, the Olympics coming to Boston, they realized that, well, we're gonna have to pay for it. So one of the things that No Olympics LA has been doing for the past month is pointing out the fact that when the Olympics go over budget, and wait until you see some of these charts, <laughs> because the Olympics have historically always gone over budget. Actually, they've never made budget, and the idea of them going under budget is a pipe dream. But right. when they go over budget, the taxpayers are on the hook, yes. which means us in Los Angeles would have to pay. And that's part of the reason, if not most of the reason, that those in Boston were like, I don't wanna pay for these Olympics. And as a sports fan, I don't think it's a I hate the Olympics thing. It's just, look, we don't wanna be on the hook for when you guys mess up. So in terms of LA 2024, they said that there is this initiative in 2020 that's going to stop over budgeting and that they're not gonna be able to do it. Why is that not going to happen? 
Well, like you said, there's um, I think it's 165 percent of the time there's cost overruns yeah. in, different, in different Olympics. <laughs> so it's pretty. That's a pretty good. That's pretty good batting average um, <laughs> to mix a metaphor there. Um, but I think it's because there's so many. You know, um, we, we we saw the issue in LA with. Um, the Rams Stadium mm-hmm. going over budget because of rain. You know what I mean? It's like right. there, we have so many different ecological things or just other kind of acts of God or other things that can make a, you know the best laid plan go awry. And sort of, course. Of, you know, right. so, and then even in terms of their specific plan to keep costs uh, managed and or manageable, we think some of the trade-offs that Garcetti is making in particular or is willing to make, uh, you know, put certain communities at risk. And the main one that we take issue with is the designation of the games as a national special security event, which Garcetti and the bid committee have kind of been, uh, you know, advertising as a big cost-saving measure because that will allow the the security costs to be covered by the federal government. What they're not talking about openly is the fact that it will also put the LAPD under the jurisdiction and control of the federal government and specifically the Department of Homeland Security. Additionally to that, <laughs> what we saw. So obviously we have some conflicts of interest there, but at the same time, what's interesting about that point in the LAPD being under the jurisdiction of the federal government was in London, twenty. 2012 Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, they said that the London police force, which is not what they are called, I wish I actually had the exact name for them, so I apologize to those in- we'll Just call them Bobbies. Bobbies, well, Bobbies, Bobbies, right? Okay, okay, Bobbies, yeah, we'll call them Bobbies. So Coppers. And constables and stuff, right? <laughs> very wonderful term. <laughs> uh, so the Bobbies in London were supposed to see a lot of the funding that was going into the budget. What ended up happening is the Olympics hired their own private security firm, which mm. is a kind of a double slap at London's force because they said one, well, we don't really think that you guys can handle this mm-hmm. in your own city. We want to hire our own. And why would they want to hire their own private security firm? Because it's it's a circle. The money goes to the private security firm. The security firm is pretty much sending the money back to the pockets mm-hmm. of Thomas Bach and the IOC mm-hmm. in terms of briberies and how much we've seen this corruption run very deep. Mm-hmm. So the money that was supposed to be allocated that they said was going to get allocated, upwards of two hundred and fifty million dollars to the Bobbies. Really turned out to be about 15 million, while the private security firm took about 235 million of that. And when it comes to a global event in itself, the most, I would think, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, with bringing in thousands and thousands of people in terms of tourism, 20,000 media members, athletes, would be security, yeah. especially in a time where we do have attacks going on, unfortunately, in places like Europe, the United States, wherever it might be. So, Back to the point about the Olympic Games going over budget, though, because yeah. uh, I wanted to mention some of these numbers. Uh, if you want the actual hard numbers, for example, in Brazil, and these numbers aren't finalized for Rio 2016. Yeah, it's always changing. It's, it's always yeah. changing, and interestingly <laughs> enough, they're underestimating how much it goes on over budget, which mm-hmm. is like, okay. But we're throwing around, what I've always found funny about these large numbers is we throw around 4.6 billion, like it's not that much money. Like it's a rounding error. Yeah, it's right. like 4.6. Yeah, it could have been 4.7 billion. Who knows? What we could do with that 4.6 right. billion is is right. insane. Is phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Is, we could do well, well in terms of how much we need to fix in right. Los Angeles right. is what you're right, alluding right, right, to. And right. you can get into some of the homelessness, uh, which I know is a big project you mm-hmm. guys have been working right. on as well. Uh, 4.6 billion over budget, roughly in Rio 2016, which came out to 51% over budget. Uh, nothing worse than uh, Sochi in 2014, where uh, <laughs> they went over budget nearly $22 billion, which comes out to 289%. Mm-hmm. So when we look through these, that's just the most recent. In 2012 in London, 76% over budget. Hey, look, Vancouver, not bad, 13%. Look at that, only 13% of what the cost was, oh, only $2.5 billion. 
Right, so like they throw around these numbers like it's a success, like mm -hmm. it's, it's not gonna go over. And then interestingly enough, the, the quote I wanted to read, and this comes from a report, uh, I believe from the said research school, said business school at Oxford University. Uh, only 76% over budget is deemed a bit suspect. In 2005, London secured the bid with a cost estimate that two years later was revised upwards with around 100%. Mm -hmm. And then the media in itself, with the final outrun costs were slightly below the revised budgets, the organizers falsely but very publicly claimed that the London gains had come in under budget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go over 100%, but they're like, no, 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 you're not looking at it the right way. If you look at all the money that didn't go into the pockets of the IOC, <laughs> well, we came in severely under budget. Right. So when we look at it that way, we know that when they say to us in 2020, when it comes to the Tokyo Games, man, it's not going to go over budget. But we're going to be right back in just a second with a few more, not just a few more, a lot more in terms of the International Olympic Committee, the budgeting, and of course, how they're going to hopefully not have the Olympics in 2024 in Los Angeles. All right, back on TYT interviews, back with the No Olympics. LA 2024, as we were just discussing budgeting and how much it always goes over historically. I want to shift part of this conversation now into one of the major problems in Los Angeles, which is homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were mentioning, Johnny, just a second ago that you know what we could do with $4.6 billion. Elaborate on that a little bit more. What could we do with the potential money, maybe not $4.6 billion, but the money that would be allocated towards the Olympics? Right. I mean, I think the big the big issue in LA is we're in a housing crisis as well is, is affordable housing and finding ways to uh, for, force the city to build more or force developers to build more affordable housing. Steve was mentioning when we were off camera just now, but uh, one thing that we're all going to do when we get out of this interview is make phone calls to our county uh, county supervisors um, because they're deciding right now on how to allocate the funding for Measure H, which Los Angeles voted by a really wide margin um, to fund, which is it's a sales tax, it's, uh, basically a regressive, tax, a regressive yeah. sales mm -hmm. tax that um, is dedicated to support services for, for homeless people. Over a decade or so? Over a decade, yeah. yes. Okay. And so if you look at the funds that are being raised through that compared to the amount of private funding that the bid committee has raised from a handful of donors in a matter of months, weeks, we don't really know because they're not required to disclose that. Um, we, we just think that it's such a huge misallocation of resources, just on a purely intuitive level. Right. You know, For us to be involved in, we've been sitting in these Measure H funding meetings, uh, which include directors of homeless shelters and people who have been previously homeless to sort of talk about how they're going to split up what sounds like a huge amount of money, but in reality, when you look at the problem, it's pretty tight. Right. Uh, and so to sit in those meetings and listen to people argue about how they're going to split $250 million and then hear the bid committee talk about how easy it was and how quickly they were able to raise $55 million. That sort of sits with us the wrong way to begin it, with. Well, it's frustrating, understandably, because it seems like, oh, there's this world event that could come here and they go, like, look at the look at the, the press we would get for it. To them, mm -hmm, it's right. just a matter of, I think they're seeing it from the media perspective, thinking, well, if those who remember it, back in, I think it was the 1984, 86 mm -hmm. Los Angeles Olympics, mm -hmm. they were the most successful. Mm -hmm. uh, in ter It was actually, it might have been the only successful Olympics yeah. in terms well, of, we can, only, we can get we into can that. Talk of about course, that, yeah. in terms of what's success. Now, what's so interesting about Measure H and the homelessness problem itself is they go, they say, no, 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 we're gonna have the Olympics Village, which, and I would love to, if we could uh, at some point show pictures of what Olympics Villages have looked like in the past when they are rushed. And also what happens when you displace those who live in those areas mm -hmm. in favor of Olympic, Olympics Village. Most recently back to Rio in 2016, uh, it was devastating. And 
calling Rio anything short of, an, of, of, of a disaster mm -hmm. is an injustice to those who were moved out of Rio and mm -hmm. unfortunately saw their lives take a much, a, I should say a downward turn for the worst. Mm -hmm. Now in LA they say we're gonna do it at UCLA. Right, a campus of roughly 50,000 students that go there. They say, well, we can use the UCLA, you know, uh, right off, off campus. Westwood is the, the city itself or the town in itself. And we'll say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna have the Olympics Village there. So you're still gonna be displacing students, as Stephen and yeah. I were discussing mm -hmm. at one yeah. point. But more importantly, the media village. Mm -hmm. And to put a number on that, on average, 20,000 reporters come to cover the Olympics. It's a lot of people. <laughs> Where are you gonna put them? Can't put them all in hotels. You can't. Not everybody's got a friend that's, uh, that they can crash on their couch in L.A. Right. Although, I believe all my friends have believe I have. Yeah, a yeah, right, right, of course. LA. <laughs> so they want to put that in East Los Angeles specifically, in what we call like the Skid Rows of of downtown, and that would be disastrous in terms of absolutely. Where yes. are you going to yeah. put the homeless? And it's not so much a. A lot of people come back and say, well, why do you care so much about the homeless? And I don't think people see the ripple effect that it would cause by moving that many people mm -hmm. away from where they are situated right now. Yeah. If you guys can discuss as to why downtown LA would be a disaster, East LA and the yeah. more poorer parts of the city. I mean, it's, it really, it's not just even those areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, right now, one of our key criticisms of these games is the idea that you know, bringing these games brings development. Uh, regardless of what the bid committee proposes and says that this is, we're not gonna be building anything new, all the infrastructure already exists. We've seen in other cities, we see, I saw this in Vancouver, where the developers in these cities see this as an opportunity to create more speculative real estate ventures. And considering that right now we're already in the grips of a housing crisis, affordability is you know just right. non-existent for uh, regular Angelinos. Um, we're going to see in the areas around the venues, areas like South Central, uh, mm -hmm. areas like um, you know the West Side, uh, Santa Monica, Venice, mm -hmm. where it's already basically impossible to rent and people are yes. homeless, you know, all over the place. That they're going to see this as an opportunity to continue to drive up housing costs mm -hmm. and to push forward these projects that are for the benefit of the Olympic Games, but not for the benefit of the people that live in these communities. So, you know, even if you're just talking about, you know, where are you gonna put the journalists and how are we gonna make development and, and facilities that are gonna house them, that's gonna have a detrimental effect on those areas as well. But this is something you're gonna see all over the city. And we're talking about a 700 square mile footprint for these games. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just something that's really unconscionable when you consider the fact that you know wages are flat in the city mm -hmm. and right. the median income is flat, and but the median uh, rent keeps climbing higher and higher. Of and higher. course, mm -hmm. which I have multiple complaints about as well. Living <laughs> yeah, in this, yeah. I think we all do. And then it's all it's all like interconnected. The the homelessness crisis last week they announced um, the numbers went up by twenty three percent, which right. is about fifteen thousand people. We're close to like sixty thousand people right. per night from yeah. Yeah. For, and this is from like as of like that was a two year. Jump. Right. It was mm -hmm. recent, yeah, in, in like 2015, it was at that. Right. Then yeah. it's right. been that quickly. Eric, Eric Garcetti ran on in his first campaign on ending slash curbing homelessness in 2013. It's right. historically it's high, <laughs> right? Because you know, the, because the factors. It's not just housing homeless people. It's not just finding a roof over their head and giving them access right. to money and food. It's about addressing the underlying factors that create homelessness, which right. no one has effectively done yet. Right. And so we could even house all those 60,000 people, which would be. Uh, an enormous undertaking that would be amazing if that happened, but if we don't do anything to really address what's going on, we're just gonna keep filling it and up. It and just gets worse, and eventually yeah. there's, it, and, yes. And in an Olympics in any city, but especially in LA, which has one of the highest percentage of populations of uh, homeless or near homeless or chronically homeless people, that it's gonna be a nightmare for those people. And so we're, we're, we work with a lot of advocates in, in, in Skid Row, and they are, 
they are super afraid. And I mean, they're trying to get to next week, but also mm -hmm. they know that when and if we get this bid, that it's going to be a nightmare for those 60,000 people. It's also where the joke of uh, if you're going to be homeless, be homeless in LA. At least you have the beach. Right, exactly. From. But it's also. But they, but they won't. But yeah, and it's like in all the stuff on the west side, and it's like the Airbnb right. hotels and kind of just clearing. Like, we, the thing is, LA is full. We have like a 2% vacancy rate, which is like one of the lowest like anywhere. Right. Um, our hotels are full. Our tourism industry is already really solid. LA doesn't need to be like, to, to your point earlier, to be put on the map. We're the right. media and entertainment capital right. of the world. Everyone, right. it's not like Sochi, which mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of before that. It's like right. everyone knows where LA is. We have all of the media. We don't need anything. We don't want for anything on the media side of things. We have, right. we just need like basic right. human, <laughs> human rights things covered. Um, we need to focus on LA. We don't right. need right. to bring in more to LA. And right. we'll get back to that in just a second because I want to discuss obviously why tourism was one of the major parts of the bid, which is hypocritical and kind of hilarious at the same time. All right, we just uh, we just left off on the the kind of the hilarity of when Garcetti was putting together part of this bid, when the IOC was putting part, together part of this bid, they actually said that we'd bring in more tourism to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and like that would be a good thing. Okay, for one, here's what I do know. I've lived in LA for about four years now. Uh, never, even since I've come here after the first time have I said, man, I really want to go down to Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> and really experience the tourist sites of yeah. Los Angeles. And the one thing I know is bringing in the, and I do believe it can get upwards of millions of people to mm -hmm. visit for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. LA is not struggling on the tourism front, as no. Johnny was yeah. just saying before. That's one of the few things we'll concede. And it, but I mean, it's all, I mean, we've always attracted people. And I think in the last 10 years, we've had a, had a, um, it, our tourism industry has grown. But what we've, what we've seen in LA and in other cities and historically is that it just, any new tourism just displaces the tourism that city already has. Right, right. Like other other people that like we're booked up all summer, and I have a lot of friends that work in the hospitality yeah, industry, and they're like, we're booked this summer. Like right. we'll be booked into the near future, barring something unforeseen. So when these things happen, um, that and there's there's actually an argument that the city might lose more money because yeah. all of the the transactions around the games. Like so let's say I want to go to an event. Let's right. say I want to go to a swimming event. I want to go drive down there, park. Uh, have lunch, have a beer or two or whatever, and pay for my ticket. All of those um, transactions will be sales tax exempt. It's um, interesting. So, which 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 was kind of shocking to me. So that's like potentially um, taxable income, like right. sales tax income that we would be losing. Right. And um and it's just and it's another part of the fact that like the IOC is a, is an, is a sales which, tax exempt. You know, which would also mean crazy. I would think that they would charge more. So I mean, right now, for example, I believe it is twelve dollars for a beer at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine when the Olympics come to town why it wouldn't be twenty five dollars for right, a beer. Exactly. Probably and we have no control of the. Right. They, they can they can price they can gouge price as whatever yeah, they yeah. want. Yeah. And they always the inflation. That's a part of the thing again. That this twenty twenty. I want to bring up again twenty twenty in Tokyo because it's such a great uh, uh, flowchart for basically why there's still corruption in the IOC. And additionally. Why they're they're simply lying to you when they say, and what I'm talking about this is Thomas Bach from the International Olympic Committee, who is the the IOC president. Mm -hmm. Got to put a name to the face. We'll throw up some pictures just so you have an idea of kind of who we're talking about. It helps with the context. Uh, not long ago, this is uh, in May of 2016, so still about last year. Uh, he wanted to talk about the the sources that had successful bidding for the 2020 Olympics on those acting on those behalf and making payments around 1.5 million to a hidden account linked to Papa Masada Diak, the former International Association of Athletes Federation. What's interesting about him and $1.5 million being funneled into his pocket is 
oh, he was banned from all athletics <laughs> for life, which I didn't know that was a ban. I didn't know you could be banned from all of sport across the world. Yeah, he's throwing a frisbee on a beach somewhere. Like they're like, right. sure, slap it out yeah, of yeah. <laughs> But so he orchestras uh, the orchestra of rules and instruments that Baki so proudly conducted have been unable to prevent an embarrassing, like pretty much a catastrophe. So. Tokyo's already been wrapped up in corruption when they said this is gonna be the blueprint or really the footprint, not the footprint, the blueprint for how we're gonna get rid of corruption in the IOC yeah. and they've mm -hmm. already messed that up. Mm -hmm. it's, been, yeah. it's been a year since that day has happened and Tokyo is being put under mm -hmm. fire for it. Besides the fact that just so everyone realizes, Tokyo is not in any kind of condition to host the Olympic Games as well. Oh, no. And they have no. to build stadiums and they have to put together their public transportation, which again comes back to Los Angeles. And the budget numbers for Tokyo keep swinging back and forth. Right. They keep going over budget. There's this right. controversy over their uh, logging old growth forests. Right. Historic right. Yeah. old growth right. forests. And environmentalists are up in arms right. because they're taking that wood to build these new stadiums. I mean, it's just, it's absurd. And it I think is. that underscores an important point that a lot of people don't understand where they'll, when talking about the IOC and their corruption and how they work, which is that. You know, people will say, oh, but the bid committee, they've made these promises. The reality is that the IOC writes the contract and right. things happen on their terms and they're not accountable to anybody. So like with yeah. Tokyo, they the bid committee had made a commitment to, you know, create construction in an environmentally sustainable way. And they didn't. They didn't do that. <laughs> they, they, and there's no there's no method or procedure for holding them accountable to right. whatever promises they make. They, they can change their mind a hundred times between now and 2020 yeah. or 2028. 2028 um, in this case. Um, yeah. and, and now that we know. Um, and there's nothing to stop us as citizens or people in this community from, you know, they could do it at UCLA, maybe. Yeah. They could right. do it in Skid Row, maybe. I do yeah. believe you know. if you, oh look, I always believe power to power to the people. If you make those phone calls, mm -hmm. you really let your your right. congressman, your son, your represent, representatives know, mm -hmm. you can usually make that difference. It worked with Boston mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the backlash was was strong. And that's what right. we're really hoping that this is an opportunity for us and the right. coalition that we're building to, if the games end up coming to Los Angeles, which we're very hoping that they, they don't, don't. <laughs> um, that we can actually extract some real gains from the organizing committee outside of you know Garcetti's pie in the sky vision of youth sports for all when right. we've got right. 55,000 people sleeping on the streets of LA every night. Right. Which exactly. right now is just coming in second under securing additional funding for the bid committee itself. Right. Of course, well, that's what's interesting. So most recently, Garcetti, I think, well not most recently, he's done a lot of things recently, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Uh, but one of the more recent things that he's done was he asked for another 1.5 billion or million in fund billion billion, yeah. billion in funding for the public transit. Public transit. Yeah. 1.5 million doesn't even fix one subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one in LA. But so what's amazing is he got that funding in January, 1.5 mm. billion, I believe, at that time, uh, in which he says, and the, the comparison I make to anybody who watches The Simpsons of all things, if you mm. guys are familiar, we, with we love the Simpsons. I've okay. heard of Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, Steve knows. So there is an episode uh, of The Simpsons, and this will all come around and make sense that uh, Marge, Homer's wife in the, in the show, uh, versus the monorail. This guy comes to town, and he's pretty much the great example of, of the IOC in one person. Yeah. Snake oil salesman. Yes, yeah, he comes classic. in. He's gonna he's gonna show you, and his whole pitch is he's gonna go to a different place. To sell on the monorail because you guys right here, well, I don't know if you guys deserve the monorail. Yeah. I don't know if you deserve the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great metaphor for everything that the IOC does. And of course they sell it, and of course it doesn't work. And when they go through all the old towns that he went, it says home of the monorail, and of course the sign is busted down and the city is mm -hmm. overrun or it's completely. <laughs> the monorail's run down. on fire and falling <laughs> yeah. off the rail. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So that's, I've always found that to be like the best example to use when comparing the. That's where we're at, basically. Right. And, and, and you know, the point on Garcetti is that, and I just feel like we should use this opportunity to talk about it because, of course, um, I talk about it from people that aren't from LA. Mm -hmm. I talked about it to a lot of people that are from LA and don't even realize that LA doesn't have sanctuary status right now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's June. It's six months since right. last year, and it's six months since you know Garcetti's first press conference with the chief of police talking about how it's not right that immigrants in our city are afraid of the Trump administration and are afraid of the Department of Homeland Security and ICE and what a terrible situation right. that is. But <laughs> fill in the blank. Of course, right, and and we feel like that's directly tied to the fact that. He is met with Trump more than he's met with a lot of communities within LA that he should be probably well, be meeting with right now. And and because he, he's, we believe that there's there's an argument to be made that there's a reason why we don't have sanctuary city, and it's probably wrapped up in the fact that he wants the Olympics, which Trump has come out and unequivocally backed. Of course, he's he's super pro. When the Olympics he gets to show up, well, actually, well, mm -hmm. I pray to God he doesn't have to show up in 2024. <laughs> but technically, anything's not off the table. He gets to show up and be. It's there. more likely than it isn't at this point. Like right. like we we should, we have to assume that he or whoever next in line is going to be behind yeah. him and whoever they're appointing as um, you can totally see how he would spin that too to be like I helped get the Olympics oh, in Los right. Angeles part, and he would Absolutely. love to give that speech and that's yes. what this is about this is about like political posturing this isn't even about sports about like putting mm -hmm. people like in celebrating sports it's about Eric Garcetti's future political ambitions when he's not the, no longer the mayor of Los Angeles mm -hmm. it's when he's going to be governor or has other higher right. and when we realize that he doesn't actually even though he has high approval ratings he doesn't really have anything that he can really like just um, to hang his coat on, yeah, and like right. he needs he needs yeah. a victory, right? On a national level, well, yeah. And yeah. politicians in general think it's actually to make that sport. They think about their legacy. The mm -hmm. Right, exactly. That's what it is. It's right. like, what am I going to leave behind? Yeah. Yeah. In sports, a little bit easier. You can win a championship. There's your legacy. But in, in politics, it's obviously much more difficult because, and it's also a lot more important. Right. <laughs> the thing, the thing that's really no one's getting hurt. Like their right. feelings get hurt when your team loses. People get hurt when your politician loses. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and people get hurt when the games come to their city. And yes. I think it's really important to you know look at Garcetti very critically on this because. Because he keeps talking about how you know the Olympics needs LA, that we're going to fix the Olympic Games, right. as if that should be his priority right. above and beyond fixing the city and the problems right. of the city. Right. And when you look at legacies, you know he wants to leave behind this legacy of bringing the games to LA so that we can have youth sports for all. But his real legacy is this uncompromising failure mm -hmm. to do anything about. Homelessness in this city and the crisis of affordability and housing. These are the things that we really care about. These are the things that our coalitions really care about. But it's not, and what you guys are doing well uh, is it's not just that you guys care about this, you're just trying to get the message out as well as to why others should be caring about this because I think a lot of people don't see the effect it will have on them because, hey, in eight years, what if I'm not in LA? Mm -hmm. Or in eight years, it's eight years away, mm -hmm. but so far down the road. Mm -hmm. They don't realize what could happen in eight years and how quickly it goes by. We'll be back in just a second, obviously, with one more uh, great segment about uh, No Olympics LA and why we don't need it here. All right, back with, uh, back with some more corruption. Because it's such <laughs> a great, juicy scandal, and man, does it make headlines, but not enough headlines because we just were talking in the last segment just about how. Eight years away, right? LA 2024 or Paris 2024. And by the way, my heart goes out to Paris because if we don't get it and Paris does and we don't want it, we're gonna be sitting there going, ah, oh, well, you guys are totally screwed. <laughs> well, we, we stand in international solidarity with right. Paris and they have an opposition movement that we've Good. been in communication with and, and we support them and we, you know, whatever resources or help uh, they need from our end in, in order to fight their own bid, that's we're willing great. to provide it. Right, I mean, that's kind of when we talked with Boston, they were like, kind of like, we, our goal wasn't to kind of put this on someone else, but that's 
in inevitable consequences of stopping it is that you are push, theoretically pushing it to someone else, but we will find ways to kind of right. help them with, even though we're thousands of miles away, I think there's ways that we can um, stay in solidarity, help them strategize, support them in any sort of way, just so that- Draw know, attention to their yeah, opposition. We don't really know what this situation is on the ground right now, but I think we will become more informed as the months mm -hmm. and kind of years, either, you know, win, lose, or draw with September, like we'll still be, Trying to help them and trying to help people in Japan right. that are trying to resist. To let them know. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's kind of it's you're, you're you know, you kind of open yourself up either way. But right. but it, it's looking more likely, obviously, that it's it's going to be 2028 for LA and 2024. You know, that's probably that's that's what it, and that was funny because uh, I love how quickly uh, Los Angeles or those who were running the Olympics bid in Los Angeles said. After the news broke that it very much seemed like Paris was gonna get 2024 and LA might drop their bid for 2024, they were so quick to say, just to save face from the press, we're not dropping our bid. Mm -hmm. Why would we drop our bid? Right. We want we don't want the consolation prize right. of 2028. They're treating what could be possibly detrimental to people in the city. They're treating it, it's the same thing as like corporations aren't people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about that on Young Turks for years, but in general, like there's no emotional attached to this. Mm -hmm. They sit there and they go, "Oh, we're going to give you the games like it's this wonderful event, mm -hmm. and it could be a wonderful event." Mm -hmm. But as I've always said, as an Olympics fan of the sports that take place, <clears throat> I'm all, all for Michael Phelps becoming one of the greatest athletes sure. you've ever seen. Yeah. But when it comes at the detriment to so many people and place by place that they go, mm -hmm. it's all part of how the IOC, as the, the example I used in, in the piece I wrote, was. Uh, Face huggers from Alien, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Latch onto you, leave you. They're parasitical, and they go on and they mm -hmm. move like city to city. And one of the ways they actually said that to, that they could potentially solve this would be to have one host city for the Olympics right. every year. Mm -hmm. Find one place that is is capable of hosting it, and then having the right allocation of funding, and it actually would bring in. Maybe you find a place that could use mm -hmm. the tourism, and it's one of the solutions that if we had five hours of interview to do this, which <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. pretty sure we could go for five yeah. hours, uh, it would be one of the things to look into. But as for you got to address the problems at hand. But you guys wanted to also discuss corruption within the IOC right. in itself. You, uh, mentioned, you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, this is we, in the abstract. Yeah, we're into sports. We're into like showcasing health and you know physical achievements and all Teamwork. that good stuff. Yeah, and we're in the abstract, and there are other kind of competitions on a local and international level that we feel are are much more ethically sound or closer to like an ideal kind of area. But we don't. We feel like the way that the the IOC is set up, which has been set up this way since. The 1800s. Right, 1894 <laughs> yeah, exactly. formed it. Exactly, mm -hmm. it's based on like the World's Fair model, which is extremely out of date, as we all know. <laughs> um, there has uh, there hasn't been a, a World's Fair in America since 1984, actually, because and I think there's a reason for that because we don't need it. Um, we don't need the tourism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but just the way that the IOC is structured is fundamentally flawed, no matter who is involved. But it happens to attract some of these international criminals, right. war criminals, um, mm -hmm. white collar criminals of all sorts. I feel like Anne and Steve could speak Please. on yeah, that a little bit. I, I helped lead the charge. We did uh, the other week a kind of social media digital teaching on the IOC and how they really work and who they are. And uh, you know, I, among with some of the other people in our team, were assigned different IOC members to research and look into. And I had initially set aside an entire evening <laughs> to do some, you know, dig up some dirt on them. And what I found very quickly is for most of them, I didn't even need to put their name plus scandal into Google. No, it's the first I just thing needed, that pops, it was just, just the, first thing, the first thing that popped up, I would put in somebody's name and it would be so and so 
on trial for you know electioneering right. so and so mm -hmm. uh, like you know implicated in uh, in like Pain money laundering yeah. yeah. favorite IOC scandal because there are so many <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there are so many so many good ones I think. Um, my favorite one is the that <laughs> <So gross. laughs> there's a uh, the the current delegate from France mm -hmm. um, has a pretty good a pretty good scandal. He was convicted of corruption corruption I think and fraud or corruption and money laundering a while ago. Um, he it was discovered that he was on the payroll for a company and receiving a salary for a job that he didn't actually have. It's um, my dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was and. And he was convicted, you know, convicted of corruption and either fraud or money laundering. Right, right. And as a result, he was, uh, and this was right after the IOC, after the 2002 Salt Lake City right. bribery and corruption scandal. And the IOC had publicly come out and said, we're no longer going to tolerate this. We have a zero tolerance policy. So <laughs> he was the first person to sort of get implicated in that new wave of zero tolerance for corruption. And people were speculating, is he going to get banned for life? He got fined $50,000, which for people yeah, who are that rich means nothing. So take like what, 0.5% of that, uh. the money out of the suitcase yeah. you were just given. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, Do you want any cash? Yeah. <laughs> and they suspended him for something like 15 months, like it's some very joke. short period yeah, of time, which he didn't even uh, he didn't even make it to before he was reinstated because right. he was also, he was a politician in France. Time off the, for good behavior. Yeah, Sorry. the president <laughs> for France, um, the president of France uh, basically pardoned him on this, uh, this like, very arcane law that grants amnesty to people who have made significant contributions. And they made the argument that because he was part of the IOC, he was making a significant contribution to France. So they cleared the charges and the IOC immediately readmitted him. Mm -hmm. That is a very good scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Wonderful yeah. sharing. I'll be back in just a second for our last of, uh, of the segments. And we'll go over some, uh, I guess, some more fun IOC scandal and corruption. All right, we're back with uh, the most difficult question of, of the day before we get into uh, some more of, as John was just telling me, coalition partners and obviously some fair promotion for that as well. Uh, why do you guys hate the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> I joke, I joke. Uh, one of the things that uh, we were just coming back from was the, uh, Anne was telling us a great story about IOC corruption. And I don't like putting the words great to it, but as you were mentioning, when you do research any of these things, a lot of people don't like putting a name to, to the corruption itself. And the most recognizable name I've always seen was Set Bladder because it's kind mm -hmm. of a funny name. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, it sounds like a Bond villain. It right, does. Right, exactly. It kind of looks like a Bond villain. Yeah, Even a lot of these people. They all kind of look like FIFA Bond villains. And, and IOC and FIFA. And they're, they're the very interlinked. Yeah, because so the trans European and, and for the most part, yeah. and like in, and Russian kind of. We should also mention oligarchs. a lot of them are royalty. So yes. when the IOC started yes. in 1894, it was specifically limited to royalty and nobility, and that has not really shifted. But that's also why when we say, and we don't joke about it, when you bring the Olympics to Los Angeles, only the rich get richer. When you bring them to Rio or Tokyo or Sochi, it doesn't matter where, only the rich get richer. It's one of the yeah. main issues in the country, yeah. in our country today. It's almost parody when you say we want the Olympic Games and you're on the same side of, but I don't want to 
get screwed over by the mm -hmm. by certain politicians and their policies as it is. Right. right. I wouldn't be able to afford the opening night ceremonies that came here. Right. I wouldn't it's be able to. I, you know, what the IOC members get paid as per diem to go to some of these events is like sometimes more than I make in a month. Yeah. And it's yeah. more than the athletes make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. also interesting yeah. in itself. Yeah. The athletes get uh, shafted sometimes more so than anybody else. For one, in 2016, a lot of the athletes couldn't even afford. You have to pay for the gold medal you win. Yeah. You might get that nice picture, right. but you have to pay for it. If you don't have the sponsors to pay for it, a lot of the times those medals go right back on yeah. the rack. Yeah. Also, the medals in itself are deteriorating. Yeah, the medals yeah, yeah, in Rio are deteriorating, <laughs> and the IOC likes to pass the buck and say, oh, that the athletes mishandled them. Right. <laughs> yes, the athletes were swimming. Michael Phelps decided to swim with all of his medals, and that's yeah, exactly. why they started to, uh, to uh, what's the word, rust. Um, but I guess, what, obviously, you're talking before about coalitions that you guys are working with, please. Yeah, yeah it's not just us at DSA LA. Um, the, the whole idea was always to get other people from the community to jump on board and help us support us and us supporting them. and. I think we've been like enormously successful yeah. to date, and in the last four weeks, we have about 17 or 18 coalition partners, through locally, but also throughout the state of California. We're built, we're growing. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this has been one of the most rewarding things about this work has been reaching out to people who have been kind of left behind in this process, and the process is inherently undemocratic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the community organizations who represent interests that we're sympathetic to, we're all working on these same things: things like housing, things like homelessness, things like racial justice, immigrant justice. And you know, when we reached out to these organizations and said we're fighting the Olympics, they were like, "Oh, thank God, we right. were like, mm -hmm. we, we really wanted to help work on this, but there's so much happening right now, right. and you know, they've been." Happy to jump on with us. We're like pleased as punch. We recently just got on uh, Black Lives Matter LA. Yep. Uh, has joined up with our coalition, um, LA CAM, which is the LA Community Action Network. Um, we're also uh, coalition partners with uh, DSA Sacramento, which right. is another uh, DSA chapter in Northern California. Um, Ground Game LA, which yeah. is a hyper local uh, organizing effort that grew out of a city council race. Uh, Affirm, um, Solidarity LA, Solidarity LA, Union of Vecinos. Uh, LA Tenants Union, various chapters, and hopefully you guys all of them. Are a little bit busy. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're out there. We're, <laughs> we're hitting. Out we're there. hitting like seventy something neighborhood councils. We're hitting yeah. city councils. We're hitting. Um, You're like state the legislatures. of movement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, hitting, we're hitting it at so many different levels right now, and some a lot of our work maybe isn't apparent from from the outside, but I think some of it will be soon. And like we're building solidarity within LA to handle a lot of um, issues moving forward um, that we. Where people are on the same side of, I think, because the lines we're drawing, I think, are consistent with a lot of other problems that we're having um, to dealing with other DSA chapters throughout California. And because, I mean, our goal is to both expel it from LA, but also expel the games from California or America or in general, force them to reform. If, right. You know. right. So that's actually, I'm happy you mentioned that because that's what I want to. I think one of the things that, for one, FIFA and the International Olympic Committee need to be gutted. It's not even <laughs> like, let's re, because they tried this with FIFA. Right. They said, we're going to get Sepp Blatter out of there. And one of the things that was great about FIFA, nothing's great about FIFA, but I said, <laughs> one of the things that came out of this was, for one, John Oliver does have a massive audience. Sure. Mm -hmm. And he made it one of his segments to talk about Sepp Blatter. And that actually reached a very wide audience. For example, my father, who's never watched a soccer game in his entire life, never been a fan of big sports fan, but never been a fan of soccer, which is common in this country anyway. Mm -hmm. He was the one who called me and said, have you heard about the Sepp Blatter guy? I was like, yeah, if you talk to anybody <laughs> in any other country, they will tell you for 20 years he's plagued FIFA with corruption. And that started to bring into the, the mainstream some of the corruption that goes on with FIFA, which is of course tied to the to the to uh, the uh, International Olympic Committee, and mm -hmm. it all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. So what's great about this is that you really need to gut the whole thing mm -hmm. and try to find somebody who would be at least progressive enough to say, like, I'm, I'm going to 
restructure the games. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've said when it comes to solutions, one of the things when I do when I try to have these discussions with anybody on any political issue is to at least talk about some solutions. Yeah, sure. Because mm -hmm. it's one thing yeah. to say, like, we don't want the Olympics and here's why, but it's like, well, how could we potentially have them? I don't think any one city should ever be on the hook for the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, I think what the World Cup is trying to do, or the US, Mexico, and Canada bid is trying to do for the World Cup would be a joint bid. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have it on one continent, but you have it on three different countries. So that way, one of the things it does is it cuts some of the cost. Because when they mm -hmm. tell you in these reports that we have cost-cutting measures, they are lying to your face yeah. when they mm -hmm. say that. When they say we're gonna create jobs they're not lying, but they're not going to create job security. Yeah, and right. that's as bad or if not worse than leaving your job to go build a stadium mm -hmm. and then not have a job next mm -hmm. year. So if there are ways to restructure it, I can't even say restructure, just start over, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. you could Blow find a potential <laughs> for a home for the Olympics. Yeah. And some people say it's unfair, they used to go city to city. Who cares? Yeah, right. it's, an, it's, an, it's, it's an not model. a fact of nature. Right. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's ineffective. It's out of date. Yeah. Um, you know, cities like they, the, the IOC likes to prop up this idea that like we're going to come to your city and we're going to make your city better, and that's just patently false. We've right. seen it's that. the opposite. Yeah. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> they make the city. Yeah, there's this idea. We were talking about this uh, with a journalist friend of ours, Dave Zirin, the other mm -hmm. day, and uh, you know, he was saying that there's the promise of the Olympics has always been that the Olympics bring democracy, um, but the reality is. They bring their model, which is anti-democratic, yeah, right? Authoritarian. They, police they state, make cities more like the IOC yeah. than the right. Olympics makes you know cities more democratic. And I think right. you know a, a, legit, a legitimate solution. This is something that Dave Zirin talked a lot about a little bit too. Is that you know the Olympics doesn't have to be this thing. These these things like the militarization of public space. Right. Oh, these are just barnacles that are stuck to the body of the Olympics. And if we can pry those off, there's no reason why we can't have this beautiful international sporting right. event that right. is not this horrible thing that it's become. And I think having it in one city is a great idea. Having a permanent World Heritage right. site that is the permanent home of the Olympics, and you know, using those venues for other things during the times when the Olympics aren't happening, having that be a tourist draw for that one particular area. Who knows? Maybe Greece is the home for this because they're the historic home of the Olympics. But ultimately, you know, us as an organization and and, and international solidarity with other resistance movements want to help with that process. But right. ultimately, it comes down to. Is the IOC going to take the time to actually no. look in a mirror and reform <laughs> right. itself? Right. No, they don't, they don't, own, they don't, they don't yeah. own any mirrors. That's right. the problem. Because exactly. <laughs> basically, the three things that we would want to see as part of any meaningful reform would be divorcing the Olympics from profit motives and incentives. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, which they'll build, never do. Which they'll never do. <laughs> they'll never do. Building in accountability, right. which they'll never do, yeah. and creating greater opportunities for democratic input and oversight, right. which yeah. they'll also never do. So yeah. that's why when I say you have to gut them, there is no, hey, we put some else in charge and he has all these values well it's it's run so deep at this point that even right. the ones who maybe do have the good heart to want to do anything they're getting sucked into it six right. months in here's my here's a modest proposal put all of the people who have blocked Olympics on the IOC to rebuild <laughs> it or is, or is in a commission to right. reform it and then you're starting somewhere from people who understand all the you know the issues the issues that could happen right. because I feel I do I've always felt this way when it comes to world sporting events it's funny because and I guess we can finish on this for the most part um, the World Cup and the Olympics in itself like we were talking just before we did this interview uh, if you're not even a sports fan which there are a ton of non-sports fans mm -hmm. out there they'll turn on the Olympics if Absolutely. It's, if it's NBC and it's yeah. Tuesday night and Whatever show the Bachelor isn't on, the Bachelor isn't on. Mm -hmm. a, they'll turn on swimming. They'll see Michael Phelps. So they'll turn on beach volleyball because it runs so much. The World Cup in itself, uh, the final is the most viewed event 
usually in the, in the entire world, world yeah. on this yeah. planet. It is viewed by upwards of uh, of ten uh, percent of the world's population. Mm -hmm. That's how many people come so to close to a billion. Close yeah. to a billion. It's yeah. more than ten percent. It's like yeah. twenty percent yeah. of the world's population. But uh, and what you can do with that type of reach mm -hmm. and what you can do with that type of uh, money and income could make these cities better places. Mm -hmm. There's a way to mm -hmm. do that. It's just when the people at the top are sitting there going like, yeah, I'll take 10% of the world's viewership, turn it into a Coca-Cola ad mm -hmm. with a great song and a great commercial mm -hmm. and stuff it into the pockets of the Coke executives and the, mm -hmm. and the IOC executives. Or as the, uh, the CEO of Visa said, it was the greatest, in 2016 Rio, was the greatest media event in the history of sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from his perspective, of course it was, because you got to advertise to billions of people that watched over a, a concurrent three-week stream. So there are ways to fix the Olympics, there are ways to fix FIFA mm -hmm. and corruption. It's a matter of getting the bad guys out, which has been a difficult proposition for mm -hmm. I don't know, 130 years, how long the Olympics <laughs> but, been around? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, ish. And it's like, it is so, it, they're trying to front, I think, that, that they're in really good position, but it's historically unpopular. I think there are one or two um, things breaking against them to fully destroy them right. and to force them into doing this. Hopefully, that's our hopefully, hope at least. Hopefully. Yeah. But raising awareness is the best way yeah. to do it. So uh, on Twitter, No Olympics LA, sorry, No Olympics, I'm saying it as two different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's all in the lower thirds. It's going to be in the description box below. And uh, at Steve Ducey, I believe also, yeah. uh, he just has some great quote tweets of uh, the, the No Olympics tweets. Uh, always a good time. I'm uh, at JasonRuben91. If you want to follow for more uh, sports and corruption in itself, we talk about it all the time on TYT Sports. This has been TYT Interviews. Make sure to comment below and uh, check us out over on Facebook, Twitter, all the good stuff. And we'll see you next time. If you like the interview that you just watched, I got great news for you. If you become a Young Turks member, you can watch them live as they happen. Only the members get that. You also get Young Turks live. You also get Aggressive Progressive live and Old School live. Everything is available for the members and commercial free. TYTnetwork.com slash join.